Sorry, not sorry. Hey, Brylan, how's it going? Hey, how's it going tonight? Good. Hey, Blood, what's going on, man? I don't know where I am. <laughs> hey, Mocha, what's uh, Shaka liking? Never been worse. Right. <laughs> and welcome to the Down in Front Podcast last cost segment what we usually do here is talk about movies tv shows all while having a drink tonight we are going to give you a premiere of the game of thrones season eight episode one titled winterfell we're going to cut out all the fluff so if you haven't seen the actual episode what's wrong with you go to facebook find my name and unfriend me because i hate your guts what we're going to be doing is talking about a bunch of different topics that we'll mention next but what i want to do is actually mention our final an amazing guest who's a first time on our podcast. Is this your first podcast ever? This is my first podcast ever. Woo! Mm-hmm. We are popping cherries <laughs> everywhere. I want to give a quick shout out to Mr. Cuthbert, or as you may know him, CJ. What's going on, man? It's great to see your face. I'm glad that you. this is your first podcast ever, so we are ever so grateful to be talking about Game of Thrones. What is your favorite movie of 2019, and what are you currently sipping on tonight? Wow. Um, so I have not seen a movie this year yet, which is really terrible. I need to get on that fast. Um, <laughs> however, I am drinking winter blend of down east because winter is here and i hope you all are ready nice i'm glad that you actually stuck to theme because uh i did so good stuff ah. so uh i'm pumped so we're gonna get into it let's actually talk about it i think the best that we're gonna is talk about a couple of different characters uh and so we're gonna go down the list really quickly but we're actually gonna start by talking about the opening credits as we usually do, I'm going to toss it over to Brylin, kind of start mm-hmm. us off. Uh, but we'll talk about the opening credits. Then we're going to go to John, Danny, uh, Sansa, Tyrion, and then we'll go down the list after that. So, Brylin, <laughs> open it off and tell me uh, overall thoughts and feelings of the episode for when uh, season episode one. What do you think of the opening credits? Uh, well, since this is the last season, I like that they change up the opening credits a bit. Uh, I like that they feel a bit more epic because the story definitely needs to wrap up in a very epic fashion. So I like that we didn't travel around the map to many cities. It kind of narrowed down to this is good versus evil. Here's King's Landing. Here's Winterfell. Also, let's show the throne rooms off. And so I thought it was really cool that they added this little extra CG that added a bit more personality to these points of interest we've seen on the map before. Yeah, I was actually kind of bummed because I actually didn't even realize that something had changed because I was so tired from Sunday when I watched it. So I just recently watched it twice today. Uh, But I actually loved it. I'm glad that they actually kind of changed it up, um, especially kind of going inside and seeing it almost as if it was like a risk board. Um, certain points, but then it was also kind of pretty interesting to kind of tell. Uh, well, well, I was going to say, uh, so it was a small set kind of thing. Um, they every I was actually talking about this during the middle of the episode. So the opening credits only show the locations that will be featured in the show. Um, and so because the show was basically King's Landing, The Wall, and then Winterfell, that's why they kind of bounced around only between those three places. Uh, I do agree that the throne room was a nice twist after eight years. You got to do something different. Um, the, I do want to shout out a little bit, the people that animate these because you know, you edit the the story. So you had what 70 hours worth of 
uh, not 70 hours, uh, <laughs> seven hours uh, worth of content that you're going to release over these six episodes. And they slide things around, you know, kind of depending on uh, early results, producers, editors, like making different changes. And so they must be doing these credits remarkably late in the process. And to get the animation done that well, and most likely a pretty quick turnaround is pretty awesome. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, you know, like everybody said, the change in pace for the opening was pretty cool in general. It was a nice surprise for me. You know, I've gotten so accustomed to the overarching worldview. Uh, but for me, it was kind of like a uh, a bit of a sad twinge to it because it really brought, drove home the fact that uh, this is all going to end in six, well, five episodes now. Uh, we're getting really close to the end to the point where they're like, all right, well, let's just turn it up a bit, even for the intro. So uh, it was definitely a, a bittersweet moment. I think it was, uh, it made me sad, but it also made me excited that it is the end. I mean, at some point, you know, you have to ask the end at some point. Um, and I'm glad that they actually had a chance to kind of give a show us something different. Even though we've seen the opening scrolls so many times, it still surprised me that they still can give us and they can still do things that's that drastic and that different. So um, I, di- I didn't feel any sadness about it. I was actually more excited that people finally got a chance to change it up because I'm sure somebody wanted to change it at some point. Well, also, uh, it's it's been so well, two things on that. First of all, like you're not going to change the credits that much for the last season for such an established show. You know, like you you make that decision early and you keep to it. Um, the other thing is, I, I kind of agree with you that it was pretty exciting. Like I remember seeing the episode show up on the HBO uh, now app. And it was just, you know, we've been waiting so freaking long for this. It's been a year and a half since we've gotten any Game of Thrones. And just like gripping the couch and be like, oh, my God, let's go. Because it, you know, I'm nothing but amped. <laughs> yeah. If you guys didn't see that, there was this video. I think it was on Kit Harrington's Instagram where it was like this bar showing Game <laughs> of Thrones. And it was literally just the like start of the theme. And everyone went nuts. Yo, so. that's, that's a Photoshop, dude. I saw the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's for like a sports doesn't, team winning yeah, a championship. It but it's but it still, <laughs> it's still, I feel, I can still feel all that energy. Like, it's just, I was sitting there and like, Rosie was sitting there laughing at me because he's like, why are you so amped? I'm like, this is an incredible moment of this final season of such an epic show. Um, I was just so, so excited for it. Yeah, and so I do want to kind of get into that, CJ, because we've all talked about it. We have recorded many episodes. Uh, I can even go back and probably don't remember half the episodes that we recorded on Game of Thrones because we were uh, so excited. Let's put it that way. Uh, CJ, so what is your sort of bit of a background in there? And, uh, you know, going into the uh, season eight, what were you sort of expecting for like the opening credits and the start of the show? So I think for me, having watched all seven seasons in such a condensed period of time. I hadn't seen an episode until probably mid-February. And so starting from there and just like binge watching all the way up to the like end of season seven with like two weeks before season eight, I was just like, oh my God, like this, this story is amazing. I can't believe I've like stayed away from it for this long. Like how could I have done this to myself? I feel like I did a disservice to myself. Um, but just then it was, I was like beyond excited for the fact that like this show's coming back. Now I'm like caught up with everyone else. Now I can begin to understand what it's like in that like lull between episodes, which I hadn't had before, before it was just like, all right, 
everything is just boom, 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 boom. Now it's like, okay, now I have a week to talk about this episode with everyone who I know. It's just really, really exciting. Um, in terms of like how the, where this, how I like graded this episode, I'm just thinking like, okay, it's like classic kind of tabletop setting episode. But at the same time, I was like, all right, I need more. I need more. But it just, it was ugh, just so many things happening in that, in this one episode. So let's break down to a couple different characters. And so we'll kind of go, um, you know, person by person and we can definitely kind of mix in and kind of talk about a lot. Uh, but Brylin, start us off with talking about the John story night line as we've seen in Winterfell. Yeah. So, uh, we see John get back to Winterfell after all the craziness that happened last season. And he's there with Daenerys, uh, auntie Daenerys, <laughs> Just rolling into <laughs> Winterfell, and there's it's really cool to see just uh, regardless of all these crazy wars that have happened, that the uh, the North still keeps to their like mistrusting attitude towards any outsiders. Uh, so when they're coming through, it's really cool to see just the uh, the townsfolk just look at them like, "All right, John, we trust you, but who is this lady?" type of deal. Um, and it also brings up some really like interesting things about the political uh ideas behind what makes these uh people get uh rally behind these individuals and so Sansa coming in like just telling John like hey you may probably made a huge mistake bringing the, a Targaryen here because you're the king in the north you're the one that was actually chosen to be the king of the north but you are now bowing the knee to an outsider and what? How does that make? How does that make you look towards the people you swore to defend? And to Dijon, like these titles aren't really mattering, but it's a really important point to think of, like to know who is going to be the person in charge, who's going to be calling the shots. Is it one of your own, or is it going to be someone that you never met before and stuff? And that level of trust is something that I think will be really cool to see how they actually play out what John's role is going to ultimately be in this final showdown with the Knights King and the whites. You know, I really appreciate um, John's whole character and his whole sticking to his guns about how I didn't want this shit in the first place. So I don't really care that I'm not the King anymore, but you'd think that after doing the exact same thing and then getting stabbed to death, he might have like learned a lesson or two about being a bit more politically savvy. Um, I feel like he's like setting himself up. Or like trying to set himself up for a little bit of failure here, but um, but yeah, we'll I see. mean, I think I thought his downfall was being so honorable, right? And I thought, at least for me, the way that I was feeling and what caused his, you know, his death was he was trying to be like Ned. He was trying to be honorable. He was trying to do the right thing for people and the people that respect and trust him and put faith in him. Yeah, but then, but. but it now it's to the point where after he died, he said, fuck this. I'm trying to do what's best for everybody in this life. Like, it's no longer just being honorable, Ned Stark, right? It's just more about, I want to protect life. I want to protect the living. I can care less about all these titles. Doesn't mean shit to me. Like, I want to make sure that we survive with what to come. Yeah, Mocha? So you, you're right in that his honor was a flaw that led to him ultimately having issues, but that's not what got him killed. What got him killed was the fact that he brought the wildlings over uh, like beyond the wall to live and work alongside the members of the Night Watch 
refuse to take into account the centuries of distrust and uh, racial animosity between them and just said, well, this is what needs to happen anyway, so why does it matter? And then they all killed him. And that's exactly what's happening here. He's bringing a Targaryen right into Winterfell. Everyone's telling him, why are you doing this? This is kind of weird for you to just bring these people in. And he's saying, well, it doesn't matter because the dead are here, which is true, but it's still the same mentality uh, in general from John. Yeah, because sure. if they if if they win, which we don't know, but if they win, um, they're still going to have to deal with all this crap. And it's going to be, even be harder because their army is right next to your, you know, in your same castle. Like, it, it's a complicated situation. Yeah, but if they win, they're not... Yeah, but if they win, I mean, are you talking about the big battle, Blewett? Are you talking about like, wh- wh- like, you, are you talking about the end sequence, right? If humans win and beat the dead? Yeah. Oh, or- I think I think that battle is going to take place a lot sooner in this season. That my yeah. my I think it's going to be season uh, episode three that we get the yeah, Night's Watch, um, yeah. and then and then the last couple episodes will be like what happens after. They just start fucking for two episodes. Final, final Honestly, I would watch that. Cersei's going to be the final boss of this show. Oh, like, I don't the think Night King is just here for the first half of the season. I don't think it's going to be Cersei, but we we can t- let's not get into theories too much because that's that's a whole whole big rabbit hole that we can talk about later. I, I do, do want to say um, the whole aspect between John. Uh, I think they did a really good job playing off his quote-unquote, like, honor, you know, um, to underscore Daenerys. Has anyone looked at Daenerys as a bad guy? She kind of is. She, like, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah ahead, I was going to say, like, this this episode, especially that scene, that great scene with uh, Tarly, was, like, yeah, you got to think, she's a warlord. You know, she started off, she took a control of this, like, uh, you know, raging pillaging group of people and basically did that in a more controlled manner um she she's violent to no end and i I think the interesting thing that they can play off again on that is that Daenerys has this whole story about not being her father and i think a lot of media will play with this where like you know in the end destiny still arrives where like you you try and break free of who your your family or your friend group or location or whatever but ultimately at the end that's still genetically part of you and that in retrospect denarius is just egg on the conqueror you know on she might be trying to be a little nicer but she's a conqueror she's a warlord she's burning people alive I can't I, yeah. I can't agree with that of her being an like a quote unquote bad guy. The only reason really just two. One, I don't think there's good and bad. I think they also like broke that up, right? I, th- I there's nothing that we can be, you know, that Night King's uh, pretty it, bad. Uh, yeah. we, we don't even know who the Night King is. I don't think he's there's uh, for me, right? I don't think there's we, good and bad at all. We just saw a tiny child like crucified to a wall. We never around know a that bunch that was, of limbs. the Night King. Is that confirmed <laughs> that the Night King did that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's probably, we're but talking about a bunch of different things because they've yeah, done like, that before. We, we, we don't quite know. Like, we saw the Night King kill um, a couple people, and then we also saw the Night King kill a dragon. But oh, I, I'm not yeah. saying that he's not bad. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying there is no good and bad. What I wanted to kind of defend on this point before we start talking about Danny later is the fact that she's been through some shit. In this episode, she was really plastered to be the bad guy. 
you know, quote unquote, but even though all the shit that she's done has been for good and to kind of rise and try to get gather her, she hasn't done anything different, I guess, in my eyes. She hasn't done different than anything else people have done besides John, who's a l- little bit different on that particular right. end. But the point is that I think we spent the first seven seasons thinking like, oh, she's like a good guy. She's uh, going back to season one where people were trying to assassinate her, even though she was clearly like supposed to be, what, 17, 18, somewhere in that range. I know she's younger in the books. Oh, but younger than that. No, no but I'm in the show, it, the show, it's like plus five years. So I think yeah. she's supposed to be like 13 in the books and then 17, 18 in the, uh, the TV show. But I think that it was a nice eye-opening experience that I never even considered that she was morally towards the gray uh, aspect as you, because I'll agree with you. I think this show does a brilliant job of just having no actual bad guys, besides from you know Ramsey Bolton and Joffrey and like the truly depraved characters, whereas oh. everyone else is somewhat in the middle and somewhat survivalistic or a force of nature. Right. I will say this, you know, this conversation about Daenerys being good or bad kind of kicked off with the uh, the idea of how she treated Samuel Tarly, and I think that that. Like in a vacuum is an example of her being good. You know, she yeah. encountered Sam. She didn't know him. She didn't have any reason to be kind or nice to him aside from maybe, maybe she knew that John knew him. I don't know. But he mentions, Oh, I'm Sam Tarly. And my dad is, uh, you know, like, you know, Lord of uh, whatever place I can't remember right now. Or- and she was like, Oh, I killed him and I killed your brother. And I'm going to say that without missing a beat because I respect you as a person and you should know what happened to your family. And I think that's a really good example of Daenerys just being a good ruler, or at least wanting to be a good ruler. She wasn't plotting. She didn't like stay quiet to figure out what's the best way I can play this character who doesn't know this information. And she was just like, yeah, it happened. Uh, I didn't want it to happen. It happened, and I did it. But you should know that. Yeah, I think she that's wasn't, good- yeah, she wasn't expecting that other circumstance to go with the person that saved Jorah's life just because... Troy is such a trusted friend, uh, but I would have loved to hear whatever their conversation was after they talked to Sam and he left. If she just like turned to Jorah and just be like, oh, Jesus, why was that so bad or something honestly, like that? Honestly, <laughs> why, well, why couldn't someone tell Danny before, like, hey, like, there's someone here who's who's like dad and brother you burned. Like, I don't think they knew. I mean, the only people who knew yeah. were the ones that are in her retinue. That actually did it. And Brent, <laughs> Great and word, Brent, by the way. Who chose Mocha. not to... Fuck Bran. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. get, we're gonna get into Bran a lot more. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do think Bran's an asshole for not telling that his father and his well, uh, Bran's an asshole father and brother was show. Like, burned alive. But no, no. I honestly, I thought that was more of a power play. You know, that was like a "Don't mess with me." I burned your dad and your brother alive, and they were they were bigger men than you. I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later I on. Is, I, I do want to get back to great uh, at intimidation. Yeah. She, I mean, she yeah. brought the dragons to meet with the Lannisters. You know, it's like. That's part of her shtick. Speaking of dragons, can we bring it back to John and dragons? Yeah. That should have been a bigger moment. That should have been a much larger moment. Like, considering, like, keep talking about Daenerys, but Danny should be so fully aware of how important it is for someone to be a Targaryen to bond with a dragon. But she's like, oh, cool, whatever. 
Like, oh, yeah. you can ride him. I guess, like, like someone's family dog licks someone's hand. He's like, oh, he likes <laughs> you. It's like, <laughs> I guess yeah. the thing that I was kind of bummed about, and this was probably, I mean, I've, I've seen it everywhere. You know, I've started listening to other podcasts. I understand people are going to be bitching and complaining. And it's, and it's a legit, it's, it's, it's a legit gripe to have that they spent so much time just them riding dragons without actually like showing the impact and why the ability to have John actually ride a dragon is so it's it's gigantic, right? It's, it's huge yet. They, they only focus on, Oh, like the visual aspect and nothing else. And that what for me really, I just literally was like watching the episode and fast forward it through that part. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit about this. Like that's really frustrating that you guys are trying to sh- tell, show me something without without letting me know. Hey, we all as the audience are really in on this already. We can care less about we seeing some dragons. We've we've been seeing these dragons for a while. Like it's it's a big thing, and it should have been more impactful. Should have been more highlighted that John had the ability to ride the dragon, which was Drogon, right? Uh, uh, he, he rode Rhaegal. No, no, yeah. he, he, he rode Rhaegal. Oh, okay. So the one Drogon named after was his dad. Drogon was the one giving him the uh, stink eye. Yeah, right? he was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. My, yeah. I mean, it's a my? set piece. It's it's weird because I think we'll find this in a lot of scenes in this uh, season because they got to go through so much stuff. Is that we'll have these set piece, visual set pieces that they they feel like they're they need to have in the season to wrap up the story visually. And I just feel like this scene is just out of out of place i mean john should be have the revelation of knowing what his blood lineage is and then after like whatever that fallout is when daenerys finds out about who john is then you get your dragon riding scene and it's set to a whole new world from aladdin (laughs) (laughs) absolutely no you know this this scene actually and i highlight something that i think has been a concern of mine since I believe it was last season when the show finally surpassed the books. Um, you know, the the guys who are behind it, I, uh, Benioff and Weissman, I believe it's called. Or, uh, yeah, I think Benioff it's Weiss. And Weiss. Weiss. Yeah, Benioff and Weiss. Weiss. They're not that good at doing this stuff off on their own. <laughs> they were really good with adapting George R. R. Martin's material, and they did an excellent job of it. But once it came to the time for them to take the ideas and put it into an actual story, uh, I think their, their flaws... Wow. Uh, started shining through and I think this is a perfect example of that you're right Brylin like the dragon riding scene should have been much more significant it shouldn't have been played off as her being like hey why don't you just hop on my dragon and like let's see what happens he should have found out about his destiny gone to like like had a moment with the dragons and then hopped on Rhaegal the one that's named after his father that he had just that he in this you know imaginary future I just learned about and rode him rode him around and then had that be a tension between him and Daenerys that he was able to ride her dragon without or permission or anything like that. Like that's m- much more interesting. I don't think Danny lets him ride Rhaegal if she knows prior to this. No, yeah, no. She definitely but that's doesn't. What, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like it should have been something done on his own, as opposed to you know, like her just being like, "Hey, like let's go for a dragon ride." It, it almost seems like they shot this or that scene uh, from an audience like perspective rather than a character perspective, because in the audience, everyone knows that he's a Targaryen. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Targaryens ride dragons. It makes sense that he's going to go up there. Whereas, yep. like, if they shot it from the character, John didn't react to it. You know, he, he had more of a reaction when he was making out with Danny and uh, Drogon <laughs> gave him the stink eye. It's like, like, that's huge. You're the second person in living memory to ride a dragon, you know? Like, mm. that's, 
I don't know. That that scene irked me. Plus, yeah. it was super sappy and romantic, and I hate that crap anyways, but... I, I, thought, I thought they would make... So, based on the trailer and seeing them flying, I thought that was going to be a larger plot point of them going beyond the wall, based on the trailer. And then it to just be them going to, like, a secret hide spot to, like, have sex. Like, that was such a... It, it was like a yeah, getaway I, weekend to Vermont. Yeah. That's what they did. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, I I agree. I, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to keep moving on with the kind of the John and talk about some characters. But I agree because I think one of the issues was does it didn't make any sense why they did it. It yeah. the pay there was no payoff, there was no impact, and much like you were saying, blew it. They just put it in there because they know we excuse me because we already know, but the characters have no fucking idea. So his reactions are going to be weird, clunky, strange, kind of awkward, and it also feels very out of place. Uh, and it takes a long fucking time to show us that sequence when we yeah. could be, you know, showing other characters who wasn't shown, like Gilly, like Brienne, you know, like it's yeah. it's kind of a bummer that they chose to put more focus on that when it had zero impact in, instead of showing us how the characters that currently are in Winterfell are interacting with each other. One quick thing before we move away from this. Um, Kit Harrington said in an interview about this episode that when they were filming the scene where he was riding the dragon, there's that oh, moment where no. the dragon kind of banks to the side and he almost falls off. Well, in that moment on set, Kit Harrington's balls got caught in the saddle of the buck that they were using, and he said that he was absolutely sure that his balls were going to get ripped off in that moment. <laughs> oh. oh my god, he almost had a Varus moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. All right. So what are the things that we do want to talk about John? Because he John interacts with just about every character except Tyrion, this, except a couple people. But John interacts with a lot of the people. So what else do you want to talk about John before we continue with Danny? Uh, I would say um, probably one of my favorite moments of this uh, episode was John meeting up with Arya again. Yeah. Uh, just being in front of the weirwood tree, uh, just knowing like these two characters haven't been in the same room with one another since like episode one and to see them reconnect by talking about their swords and talking about like, um, how John died and, um, and just like being a little morose with their humor, but that's their connection. And they've always looked out for one another. And it was really cool to just to see that relationship get rekindled. And I want to see them, work with that a bit in this season yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I think her guys. like sorry her comments just about how it's like you know family you choose or whatever that's gonna weigh heavily on his mind as we go forward now that he knows that you know he's a targaryen yeah that, that last line from Arya that's like don't forget who mm-hmm. what family you belong to yep. she says it like out of love but also like don't screw us or we're gonna take you out especially the way yeah, that was a threat days. Yeah. yeah that was a straight up threat <laughs> it was a lovable threat <laughs> what i thought was interesting about john in this mo- in this scene is that you get to really see realize for the first time that you know everyone's been separated and gone to different corners of the world and had crazy adventures but the one thing that differentiates john in that regard is that he's been extremely isolated from everything he has just been up at the wall dealing with the with the night's watch he gets mixed in with the with the uh, with the wildlings. Eventually, learns about the White Walkers, but for the most part, his worldview is really really small. Everything's just happening to him. 
Whereas everybody else has had these interactions and these winding journeys where they've crossed paths with each other again or heard different things about each other. And so everybody else in his family knows just how different the world is. And it's kind of hardened in a way that John isn't because he returns to Winterfell and treats Sansa, Arya, Bran, even to an extent, as, as if he did the first moment he, uh, he or the moment he left them in the first place. And I feel like you can see that with his conversation with Sansa. With the way that he was surprised and the way Arya kind of to a touching I don't think he realizes just how drastically the world has changed while he was up in the 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 frozen north. Which is ironic because his story is really the only one that matters. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, we gotta beat the yeah. uh the the walking dead over there. Ah. Mm. So Anything else we guys want to talk about, John, before we talk about Danny and the rest of the characters? Well, like the final scene with John and uh, Sam in the uh, catacombs, uh, where he reveals that, hey, you're, uh, guess what? You're a Targaryen. You're not, uh, you're not a bastard of the Stark family or anything. Uh, I, I think um, Ken Harrington like, played that as well as he could. I mean, I like that he didn't just like vomit after hearing that and like vomiting from banging his aunt or anything like that. But uh, it was uh, interesting to see that uh, what his reaction was, that it was just like a thousand emotions attacking him all at once. And he's like, I have to deal with this shit. Now I have to deal with this. Why are you doing this to me? So I just like it puts him in this uh, area of uncertainty about himself again. But also, mm. it's really cool because I think it brings up an idea that a lot of people never really thought about, which is Daenerys has had this kind of family ambition that she will sit on the Iron Throne. That's all she's her life has been devoted to, is reclaiming her family's legacy. And now that we have this other Targaryen in the mix, will we see Danny actually bend the knee to him or what will be the outcome of that i think it's really cool the way they leave it is like it, i mean we saw that you were willing to bend the knee to danny is she willing to do the same to you and that's gonna bring up i think an interesting um conflict that's got to get resolved along with the giant uh white walker army that's coming down on them well so one thing i was just thinking about this why the hell do they do the dragon ride sequence because I think that was a great way to end the episode, right? Uh, or excuse me, they had the one last little scene, which was awesome. But that was a great like <laughs> last five minutes of uh, of the episode. Um, how? Why? Why didn't they do the dragon scene after that? Like have the whole revelation and then have John know that going into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if John would be able to keep it together and like not like spill the beans to Danny. I, I think that's why they did it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the the, the reveal fair. is so jarring, and the amount of stuff, and you know, I'll end it here. Of the amount of things that they already give the actor Kit Harrington John to do in this episode is astronomical, and the amount of shit that he has to just act through and just kind of like he basically is like. Um, not revealing, but he's basically like responding with his face to all this shit that we've known for a, you know years. And he's like, "Oh shit!" So I, I don't think it it was it would have it wouldn't have necessarily made sense for him to. 
I, I think the dragon sequence could have been completely cut entirely. I, I feel like that should have been removed from the entire episode. Yeah. I agree. It's too, a later it's episode. Too, yeah, well, yeah. no, it's too happy. Gorgeous. It's too bubbly. I feel like That's you can like do that. a dreading writing episode when they actually fucking shit up and actually fighting. That would have been a, a, a bit more on the nose because they're actually getting ready for battle. That sequence felt too light, too Disney-esque, too out of place because that it just wasn't supposed to be there. Um, I, I think it also can't end it because there's so many things now that John has to figure out and now it has an internal struggle with. So um, I think that would have been a, a, a not quite the best way to kind of end it. But Yeah, I think that it's something it's kind of odd because like for me, that scene ending on John with the revelation that he is Aegon Targaryen. It's, it's another weird one because that's something that the audience knows. The audience has already known that. And typically, when you end a TV show or movie or whatever with a cliffhanger, the surprise is something that the audience wasn't aware of. And you get to experience that shock right before the, it cuts to black. But in this one, it was like, we knew that going into it, we knew that Sam was going to tell them and we knew that it was leading into it. So for them to end the episode as a big cliffhanger with just him learning this information that we already knew kind of felt just like a weird way to play it. Um, you know, like I kind of, I kind of agree with, uh, I can't, I'm not sure if it was Blewett or Brian who said it, but if he had learned that information and then encountered the dragon on his own, and took that moment to set, to try to ride the dragon, to embrace, to fully accept that idea that, oh shit, I'm a Targaryen. And he flew off, and that was where the scene, the, the, you know, the, the episode ended with him flying the dragon and Danny like, seeing it and being shocked. That would be, would have been, like, a much more intense ending. But it was just weird for me from, like, a, I feel like a story writing standpoint to just, like, end that, the cliffhanger on something that we already knew and saw coming. Well, I think, I, I think so the I, cliff, I think the cliffhanger was that Sam finding out about his dad and brother before telling John, because I know I was like, oh, shit, like he has to tell him under these circumstances versus like, oh, hey, John, like Brandon and I were chatting and we we like discovered that you're actually on a Stark and Rhaegar's son versus like you are the true king. Like you need to like do something like I, I thought that was what the like cliff quote unquote cliff anger was. And, yeah, but that happened last season, though. That's what what, what like gets me. But but the way Sam told him is what I'm saying. Not yeah, necessarily that we find out that he's Aegon. It's that Sam had to find out that his father and his brother died by Danny's hands or Drogon's hands, and now he's like, oh, like I know this, and I know John should be the true king. Like now, I'm going to tell John well, in this way and it versus gives it, yeah. It gives Sam's more of pushing for John now to be the king. Rather yes. than, and that there's going to be, because John doesn't really do a ton of thinking for himself. Um, so it kind of depends on the the, in, the primary influencer. And if Sam's coming from a place of like, oh, la-di-da versus, you know, you need to do this. The other thing is that I view this episode as the, you know, season premiere. Because it was. I don't have to view it. It just was a season premiere. Um, but it is one of those things that it kind of encapsulates the end of the last season and then gives us the new storylines we're going to be chasing for this one. So to counter to kind of counter that Mocha that I don't think you needed to have a groundbreaking realization in the first episode, uh, you know, and shake the audience perspective. I think that we could kind of bask in. I think Warren said this, like in bask in the, the very good acting performance that Jon Snow had, the range of emotions, and then kind of gives us a little bit of like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to meet up with 
for my friends and talk about it for an hour on what is his next move going to be? You know, where's, where's his motivations and what, what is he going to do? I don't think it necessarily needs to be like some M night Shyamalan, you know, twist. I will say no, though, that, was, that was, it was a better twist that, uh, I didn't see Jamie getting there so soon. Um, mm. and I thought that was like a, that was a, a better way to end it with a little bit more intrigue. This, yeah, this, I, this I, I I can't remember. I was like, I didn't think the episode ended with him on that reveal. I thought the episode ended for Bran waiting for his friend to come. Yeah, yeah. So his, his old yeah. friend. His old, old friend. his old good old buddy. Good old I will buddy. say, I will say this: if we're talking about uh, like range of emotions being played on the face, got to give it up for to Samuel Tarly because yep. that everything he went through oh, dealing yeah. with Daenerys in that oh, scene was God, fucking yes. great. That guy's so, a good actor. We, and I just talked about. That, uh, J- uh, I mean, just add a little bit to Sam. I like that scene with him and John. I love that the conversation of him explaining who John is to John comes about not from just him saying, "Oh, I got to tell you this important information," but from him feeling like getting an understanding of who Danny is as a leader versus who he knows John to be as a leader, and just asking that question, like, "Would you have done the same thing that she did?" Yeah, so, you know, we talked about John a lot. We actually also talked about Danny. So I do want to talk about some of these characters that we haven't quite talked about so far. Um, what do you guys feel of Sansa, also Sansa and Tyrion? Because they even had a bit of a moment, and they are still married. So I don't know if some everybody kind of remember that. And so this is the first time since, I think we said Joffrey died, that they actually yeah. are in the same sort of... It's the, it's the purple wedding. Uh, purple? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what's called. Oh. Sorry. Oh, nice. There you go. No, you're good. <laughs> no need to apologize for your knowledge, my friend. So, what do you guys feel of uh, Sansa and sort of Tyrion in at least this episode for right now? Especially the the one thing that I, lo- I know a lot of people were talking about was Tyrion's weird, mean mug and look at the end of uh, season seven when uh, John and Danny got it all on. Rylan? It there was interesting go. to see uh, with uh, Sansa and uh, Tyrion. I really liked that um, moment with them. It's good just to bring all these storylines that started so many seasons ago and kind of see them come back full circle. So I think it was a necessary moment to have, even if it's like the only moment we get, just to see where they at. Uh, I think it's really telling with uh, Sansa that she's definitely one of the characters that's grown throughout the whole series. Like, you can go back to season one and she's this um, stupid little kid that just wants to marry a prince and be a queen one day and just have riches and wealth and fortune and not and live that carefree life. Uh, but we've seen that her life has definitely gone a different journey and to go back to that and help her understand what she's learned versus what Tyrion's learned, it kind of puts him in a place that Sansa has become one of the smartest people in Westeros and that Tyrion kind of has rested on his laurels and um, and that he hasn't really grown as, as much and he's still kind of is still trusting his family regardless of what how ruthless they can be to do the right thing, especially in this time of like utter darkness that's beset the world um i really like sansa's like message to Tyrion, just saying like i used to think you're the smartest one in westeros but apparently you're not uh but where is getting where is sansa getting 
all this credit from being so, unless it's something I forgot, but where's Sansa getting all this credit to being the smartest and the cleverest? I know that's like reference from a line from um, Arya that she had said, but I, I don't see her being that clever or doing anything, but everybody else around her actually fighting and actually executing. It comes back so, from the, it comes back from last season with her old setup of um, of a playing little figure along when Littlefinger thinks he has him, her under his control after him getting her out of the Dreadford into the or getting her out of uh, King's Landing to the Aerie and then ultimately winding up uh, with the Boltons uh, and then coming back to Winterfell that. Little, I mean, it was a whole that whole season where you think Littlefinger is kind of playing her own on, and Littlefinger's going to get his way uh, with Sansa and Arya. And then at the end of last season, we see that um, Sansa's been playing him the whole time. That's where Arya gets that respect from Sansa and having uh, them take out Littlefinger the way they did last season. So that's so- where that comes about also she know she knew how to read and write which i think is part of that comment like everyone in that family was more i mean even the what is the first scene where they're kind of like doing the sweep over the the courtyard of winterfell and everyone's shooting arrows except you know sansa's with uh uh is it sister elaine or something uh, no that's old man Septon. old man oh, yeah. Old yeah it, it was is. old man at first and then it was septa ulena Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, you know, she's so like being able to read and write is is something that wasn't too terribly common, especially with Arya doing more of like the the tomboy thing. Um, You know, so she literally uh, Sansa would be the only comparison. The other thing is, I think you said it that like all these people have died, but somehow Sansa's stayed alive. And so I don't I don't know if it's act on accident which i th- i kind of think it is it's just all yeah. accidental because she's kind of an idiot but yeah um, there is something to be said to be the right type of idiot that you could somehow walk away from all of this terrible stuff that's happening around you i guess I my so. issue that i was like kind of alluding to is if she was playing kind of going off of your point brylin if she was playing Litterfinger this entire time set her off to die did she did she like automatically want to be sort of raped and sort of treated like so poorly by Ramsay? Like, did she have to have John come back and take back Winterfell and have all these other people? Like, it, it that's why at least for me uh, that line of her, I, I can understand her saying like, I I used to thought you're the most cleverest person in Winterfell, which I think harken back to a line of you think yourself clever or something like that. But when Arya says that she's one of the smartest people she knows, I'm like, what? Like she, uh, I, I'm not yeah, sure but, how you got that far, Arya. Like that's kind of so, mind blowing yeah. for me. So I that's think, why I had an I, issue with it. Yeah, obviously. I mean, she wasn't like setting up I little wanna, finger to. Um, have her go to the Dread Fort and be married to Ramsay Bolton. Yeah, I think that was still Sansa, like one of those things where Sansa had no control over her situation as she's just being tossed around. But all those situations she learned from, whether it's being engaged to Joffrey or being married to Tyrion or being married to Ramsay, um, and then ultimately getting Winterfell, reclaiming Winterfell and being the leader that. John wasn't being because he felt a need to go visit Daenerys and 
win over her trust and everything to get that army to come north. And I think while he's gone, we see a lot of it with the little finger like setup that her and Arya did. But also at the same time, we see at the beginning here, Winterfell's pretty much trust is pretty much Sansa's house. She's literally become Ned and uh, Catelyn's child. I mean, she's literally the Lady Wolf, where she will care for her people to probably the biggest, uh, to to the utmost end. And then she'll also be very vicious about protecting at the same time. So I want to yeah point out, too, that I... Don't, I think it's a misreading of the statement to think that Arya saying Sansa is the smartest person I know to mean Sansa is the smartest person in this whole series. Um, one thing we have to keep in mind about Sansa's character is that I think there's a very, very strong argument to be made that she has survived the absolute worst, like the most horrible shit out of any character that still remains alive. And while she was definitely not in control of her own destiny during most of it, she like Brian said earlier. She learned from everyone that she encountered. She learned from Cersei. She learned from Littlefinger. She learned from Ramsay, and all these things now have have accumulated into the person that she's become by taking over the house, the head of Winterfell, which is what Arya has seen. Arya returned to Winterfell and saw Sansa as she is now, and she can say that among everybody else here, she's the smartest because she knows how to play the Game of Thrones better than anyone here. And I think one of the clearest symbols of that is the fact that. When John, despite John's return, despite her loving him and agreeing to like work together with him as siblings, she never once did anything that would turn the North against her. She stayed on the North side the entire time. She got the the Northmen to stand to 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 side by her. She spoke on their behalf constantly and still does. And that's not because of some like of some like deep seated love for the North, which I know she has. It's because she's smart enough to see that at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, she needs to know that the North Northmen will be behind her. And if they turn against John and Arya sees sees how she's playing that game, because all Arya does is observe. That's her thing now. And she can see that. And that's why she thinks that Sansa is the smartest person at the and moment. Don't, and don't forget about the Knights of the Vale, too. She's got them as well. Yeah. Uh, what? Anything more? Do we want to talk about Tyrion before we move on to Arya? Yeah, just that. I just want to say that Tyrion. This entire episode was like his character was off for me. Like he wasn't super sharp and super, um, you know, flamboyant, he, or at least uppity. When he spoke in front of the Northmen in the hall, he wasn't his usual like rousing, well articulated self. He seemed meek. He seemed like, uh, like almost like uh, depressed. And I think that maybe this has something to do with his feelings towards Daenerys and seeing her run off with Jon Snow. But ultimately, regardless of why he's being so so meek lately, I think that it's a sign that Tyrion's character is not going to be around at the very end. And that is a bummer, but it's going to it's going to happen. I, I have the really feeling. I have the entire different read about that. Oh, uh, yeah, like, I like it was to the point where. And I think even Tyrion had said this earlier in seasons uh, that, you know, you have to basically kind of look out for yourself. And the moment that he's sticking his his neck out to kind of support and fight for people, that's when a lot of people fucking die. And so once he starts saying that, you know, I just need to look out for myself, that's what I'm going to start doing. I guess the way the way that I read it was he definitely seemed... Still yeah. person that is like, oh yeah, like... 
we all have to band together. He's not a John. He's not a Rob, right? Like he's not a Ned. Like he's not these people that we like, oh, cool. Like actually want to kind of get behind this person. Not saying he's a bad person. He's definitely, I think he's the smartest person by far in Westeros. And so that's why I think that line by Sansa saying, uh, Sansa saying that he's not, she thought he was more clever was like, oh, that's going to come back to bite you, Sansa, for sure. And I know it is. I think by now, at least carving these things out and looking at this episode, Tyrion and Arya right now are the only two people I can think that will be there by the end. I don't really know about everybody else so far. Uh, I can assume John, I can assume Danny, but like everybody else is really a, a fucking toss up. And I think Tyrion knows exactly at least what he's trying to do. He's trying to kind of rally people behind. That's why I didn't really fit in the scene, but I think his character is probably going to change. Um, or at least some of the things that he's going to do is probably going to change. And I like the, the, uh, interactions that he was having with, um, the onion Knight in, um, Varys. Uh, yeah. I, I like those interactions too, because many, many times that these characters have been like going through, I mean, they, these characters have fought on all sorts of sides. Danny has always fought for herself that like John has fought for, you know, a couple different sides, but uh, you know, for them, these are the most survivor surviving people that we've seen so far in the series. That's why I put my money on Tyrion to survive more so than, you know, Sansa, for example. Danny, John, and and Arya. Those are the only three that I can see make it to the last episode. I can't even say the ending. That's I think Sansa's going to make it because Sansa is going to be the one it's going to be there when Cersei dies. You know, Cersei has her pro prophecy about how like a woman more beautiful than her is going to like be there, like or is going to be uh, take her place. I don't think Sansa is going to sit on the Iron Throne, but I think that Cersei is going to die realizing that Sansa was that beautiful one, the one that she stepped on and treated like shit all those uh, years ago. Uh, yeah. no, I mean the obvious answer is I, Arya is good. Arya is definitely killing Cersei, but if she yeah, does no, it, I did not think Sansa was going to kill Cersei. Mask, that would be kind Jamie. of. No, well, I was going to say, what do we think? I'm not saying she's going to. What do we her. think about Jamie getting a sex change and then being the more beautiful one? He's a, he's, a he's a pretty he's a pretty man. <laughs> he could see some stuff in the north, make him reevaluate how he's living his life and you know how fleeting life is, and wants to be his true individual. As long as he tucks and doesn't snip, I think that's okay. Because I yeah, he'd be good. Oh my god. Alright, so Moka's internet wait, cut wait, out at like the greatest time. As, as long as he tucks and doesn't snip, literally lost half of his audience right now. I was like, what? <laughs> Thank you, Mocha. What's the name of the uh the, the executioner who took Ned's blade? Uh Ellen Payne. Ellen uh, Payne. Ellen Payne, yeah. Also, that sounds Ellen like Payne. a sick nineties rap album. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. Or like rap group. Yo, this Payne. is Ellen Payne. Okay, uh, so let's talk about Arya and Samwell. Oh we talked God. a bunch about Sam already, um, so I don't necessarily know if we need to add too much detail for him. We didn't really talk about Arya, and so we have Arya, Cersei, uh, Bran, and then we have Beric in the gang. So let's talk about Arya, and how do you feel, guys, that... Uh, like, what do you feel like... I know we talked about how she's going to kind of go through and probably kind of last throughout the end of the season. Um, last at least through the end of the episode. Uh, uh, so, CJ, what do you got for Arya this episode? So, uh, I mean, we talked about John and Arya's reunion, which was, like, very heartwarming. And I love... That was one of my favorite parts of the episode. 
Um, I am curious about this weapon she wants Gendry to make. Um, I don't know if y'all got a chance to take a look at a, like a still of that it's a gun. picture she gave him. It's, it's not a gun. A lightsaber with a pine cone oh my grenade, God. Oh my or God. it's a uh, it's a cartoon like plunger gun to shoot up the, the castle. Yo, Arya's getting I, I hate that I just tossed that to y'all. I'm gonna take that question back. I'm gonna go back to <laughs> her, her reunion with Gendry and the Hound. They're um, gonna bang. So, like Gendry and the Hound. Yeah. Uh, Gendry and Arya. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say you're paying attention. Why, 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 why are you trying to kink shame? Why can't Gendry and the How bang? Bro, what's wrong with you, Polka? <laughs> why can't all three? Well, I mean, the, as we all know from the Battle of Blackwater, the Hound likes to fuck corpses, if y'all remember that. Mm. Um, but uh, this, those two reunions were like, I, I thought that it was very well done that they did them at the same time. Um, but I was just like so curious as to like, what is this weapon she's having Gendry make? And like they made a very good, they made a point to show that Gendry's a really good smith. And they was like, oh, like it was really hard to make this like huge blade out of dragon glass. Like, uh, I like, okay, great, good for you, Gendry. Like, now what does that mean for us going forward as we try to fight this huge army? Um, but I just was like curious what y'all thought about this like weapon she's trying to have made because like Gendry said, she's already have she already has two weapons. She's got a Valerian steel blade and that and needle. And she's very good at using both of those. How many more weapons can she have? She needs something with dragon glass. Yeah, uh, well, Valerian Steel, she doesn't need it with Valerian Steel. Uh, but have a backup. True. But the other thing is I actually did a bit more research, and I broke my own rule. I, I was, like, looking through some shit, and I was like, I need to learn what the <laughs> fuck is this weapon. So the information that I found out so far was that there was an interview that was uh, done by one of the uh, uh, women who is a weapon designer. Uh, he's a man, the weapon designer. Kind of a bit to the fact that it's actually more like a staff. That's kind of like a detachable staff. And okay. the best uh, comparison I can think of was like Darth Maul's weapon, but like a little bit kind of detachable. So okay. that on both ends is like a pointy end. Which also ties back to, you know, sticking with the pointy end sort of joke that we got from way back when. And so, and it also goes back to Arya's training with the Faceless Men and how she was practicing with the staff and that's the weapon that they were using. So it has, I have something, I think, you know, and this is just what somebody else said, it could be false, but I don't think the weapons creator would say this, but I don't know, whatever. Um, I think it has something to do with some sort of staff that's pointed on the end that also can detach as a two-handed weapon, because Needle is not very good weapon to fight in a battle at all. It's super thin, it's going to break. Uh, we've seen Arya re- only really kind of fight with it sort of once against Brienne, but sh- she probably could like poke and hurt Brienne, but probably not kill. The dagger is probably a really good weapon, but also not very good and feasible in a battle because it's so small and you have to get so close up in a close range. So she probably needs something that she can wield in both hands and freely move and attack with speed and more dexterity and also go back to and have more reach like a staff. So that's as far as all the information that I looked in. I like redacted everything else in my brain that I read in this articles. Uh, but I, I think that's where the weapon's going to go. And if you guys saw, and I didn't see, of course, if you guys saw, they also hinted at and showed a little bit more of the weapon in the season trailer. 
um, a couple times. Yeah. And so don't tell me about it because I can give I don't I don't give a shit. But that's also going to allude to the fact that Arya is going to be fucking some shit up with that weapon. Yeah, I just I'm I'm excited to see like kind of her just like going around just like killing everybody, just doing what she does best. Um, and then maybe if Sarah Pharrell came back, that'd be great too. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro! I had yo. I'm pretty sure he's gonna come back. I, he, he is that Josh motherfucker. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. We like he better come back. If he doesn't come back, I'll be real butthurt no. of, of this entire se- season. Like, ugh, he needs to come back. That'd be amazing. Or some sort of nod to him, right? Like, yeah. if he doesn't come back in the flesh, right? There's something that left, or some sort of residual, mm-hmm. like something that that would be dope. I agree. Yeah. What I dig about that uh, Gendry and uh, Halm scene is uh, that uh, we definitely seen Gendry get a lot of upward mobility in his uh, life <laughs> since uh, getting away from uh, King's Landing. So it's really cool to see him. Like he went from just being this guy wandering around with Bear Gondarian's crew, like taking care of their weapons and stuff, and now he's in charge of all of Winterfell's forges. He's Tony Stark in that dragon glass, making crazy ass shit for everybody. Don't um, know how he's how he was a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Don't know how. But anyway, well, well, like well, Melissa Lotta, didn't she? She did. Yes, but I'm talking about before that. Before, like, gotcha. How's he a virgin? Anyways, continue. Continue. Because <laughs> he looks because he, he looks so good. Cuthbert want to get in the pants, bro. Yeah. Get it. But if he uh, but if he like makes like dragon glass suit of armor and like has a dragon glass like oh. warhammer that he comes out with, it'll be awesome to see that. He dope. needs to put on that helmet because we know yes. that he has a hit hammer and he has a helmet. So I, the only bummer thing about Gendry is that he still haven't actually fought. And as far as we know. Baratheon, Robert Baratheon was probably one of the best fighters, you know, top, you know, five, ten fighters in the yeah. entire universe of the Game he of Thrones. He fought some White Walkers. He hasn't no, he... fought in, like, an all-scale war, but he's fought some White Walkers. No, I mean, he, didn't. He, he ran away. He, didn't he fought fight. for a bit, and then he ran. Oh, that, that doesn't count. I mean, like, looking at that group of warriors, it's like, why is... I mean, we know he knows how to swing his hammer, so we know that when in it comes to the craziness, one. that it'll be... I mean, it'll be awesome to see him fight. Okay, what else do you got here, Brylon? Uh, I mean, just like CJ uh, said, like that moment with Arya and the Hound and Gendry was fantastic. It's going to be really cool to see where that leads up. I get a feeling um, that we we see like the way Hound and Arya talk to one another that, yeah, they're they're both re- like just reminding each other of the despicable things they've done, but also they have a mutual respect for one another. And I think ultimately, like uh, even though the Hound like is very reluctant to show like and say to Arya, "Hey, I respect you and I care about you," we're gonna see something happen where I think like the Hound is gonna save her life in some way, and that might be like the curtain call on the Hound at that time. Yeah. I I just see that I I really want to see that interaction, but when Brienne and, every, and all three of them gets back in sort of one, and also with Pod, right? I need to see all of them back in like one area again. I think that would be great. Uh, Blue, anything else you got about Arya before we talk about uh, Cersei? No, I'm good. Okay. So Blue, it start us off and talked about Cersei because we actually talked about her a little bit. She's hanging out still at King's Landing, waiting for um, those elephants. 
<laughs> yeah, the <laughs> amount of memes. Also, the amount of memes that came out from this one episode is absolutely amazing. So, bravo to all the creative people that's out there. Uh, talk to me, talk to us about Cersei because I know that she's with Euron, and you know she still has. Uh, what's his name, Brylin? The Mount. Uh, no, well, they call him Sir Robert Strong. Okay, and then Kyburn. Kyburn. Oh, and also she also has um, Braun. Yeah, there's no way that Braun's gonna kill what's going on. Any of those thoughts? two people? There's well, no I no mean, way. I wouldn't put it past Braun. I mean, we know that he's had fun hijinks and adventures with. I mean, Jamie and. Uh, I was about to say Viserion, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jamie and Theon both uh, in the past. But we know that Bronze, his whole motivation is how much you're going to pay me to do the the job you want me to do. He knows what his his skill set is and what he can pull off. And if someone pays the right price, Bronze might just betray anybody. Yeah, but no, who do you think is going to kill Bronze? Like, how does Bronze die at the end of this? What do you guys think? Tyrion kills Bronn, saving Jamie's life, and Tyrion dies. Wow. The castle falls on top of him. <laughs> so he gets in the castle. Kill <laughs> that would be the If he dies, so, if he, oh, Jamie kills Bronn, ooh, in a battle. Definitely, because, I don't know, that wouldn't be that hard. Bronn being the one who helped him train to get back into, uh, to help him train to get back into sword play after he lost his hand. So they already have a connection there of constantly sparring. Um, and I think that he'll be the one probably protecting Tyrion um, to land the final blow on Bronn. I don't know. Cersei, to me, like, isn't necessarily an interesting plot line. She's more of an interesting plot device. Like, ultimately, she's going to die. Ultimately, she's going to lose. Like, I, I can pretty safely say that. I know Game of Thrones is great with its twists, but that is going to be a cathartic experience watching her go down. And it's just how hard she swings uh, when she goes down is going to be the interesting point. Like, she's still got, you know, the only undead, well, formerly the only undead thing south of the wall. Um, she has a lot of very interesting things that can happen. Um, but ultimately, that arc is, that, that arc's closed. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean... Aside from Cersei just plotting her machinations and continuing to um, go along with, like, how can I still cause some havoc and keep ourselves protected from this danger that's happening, whether it's holding off forces or buying someone to actually take out her brother so she just doesn't have that annoyance in her life anymore. Um, I think we it's still the Cersei that people love to see being very conniving and uh, Mr. Burnsy just like ah. twiddling her fingers like that. Um, but man, I hate Euron. This is like the worst character that he ever introduced. Um, I'm glad that after this, season, this series is over, I'll still have book Euron to look forward to, to cleanse myself of this crappy Euron depiction that they made. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, this guy that's just all motivated by that he wants to have sex with Cersei, and that's all he's doing this shit for, plus he's just batshit crazy. It, it's just a weak, weak writing, it's just the weakest part of the series, I think. Yeah. Um, and after like the little song and dance routine they do in the throne room where Cersei's like, you gotta 
Earn Your Queen, which will be on everybody's like Instagram probably this week. Um, that uh, that she still lets him uh, come back to her bedchamber and uh, have sex with her is it's it's just like all right. What was the point of any of that that you just did? Ah, I have an idea as to what the point might be. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, have sex no. <laughs> and make so, a baby. Nope. Yeah. So here's the thing. Ain't so right way. now there is a secret that only Cersei and Jamie know about, and that's the fact that Cersei's pregnant with Jamie's kid. Cersei Again. is very mad at Jamie, and she doesn't want him to probably have anything to do with his this kid. So I think what she's doing is pulling exactly what she did to her last husband. She is getting Euron fucker, so that way she can claim that the child is his, and that way Jamie will have no claim to uh, the the throne or the prince or princess or whatever at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if she killed him once. Oh, if she killed Euron once uh, they made a declaration that he got knocked, that he knocked her up. I think it's just more like a uh, politicking on her side. All, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like history repeating itself in a way too. Yeah, and Sir Murray Povich of Bravos will come out uh, <laughs> give the results. Yo, seriously, that would be amazing. I'll, I'm so down for that. That'd be great. Is, I do was have one. Worried that they were going to introduce Young Griff there for a little while. Just no. like last it's season, way too late for young girls. I was gonna say that'd be late. so amazing. It's just like very last season. They're like, hold up, we have another major player. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not like Smash Brothers. Another player, <laughs> challenge or anything. And um, the only character you could do that with the books from is Strong Bellwalls, and you could just have him have a Hulk entrance where he just like rolls it and just starts punching dragons. That's yeah, the only person you can do. The worst thing, the second worst thing after the, the show's depiction of Euron is the show's decision not to include Strong Bellwas. Yes. All right, so it looks like we uh, feel pretty uh, almost finished. I'll end with you, CJ, before we start talking about Beric Dungarian and the gang. Yeah, my last point on Cersei is I, I really would not put it past her. She tried to make a deal with the Night King. Like, she would be like, Oh, like Kyburn, like try and like figure out a way to talk to the Night King to like screw over Jamie and everyone up in the north to try. Like we like we know, at least as far as we know, that the Night King is not someone that you can negotiate with. But her like just her hubris, like I just can totally imagine her saying, Let me try and negotiate with this dude and see what happens. I like I like your theory, CJ. I I usually don't say I like anybody on this show, so I really like your theories. I feel like we need to kick Mocha off and have you on here because uh, you're, you're 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 a cool dude. He's not half the man I am. <laughs> That'd make me a quarter man. Uh, so CJ, let's talk about so the last two characters. Cause I do want to end on Bran because I feel like fuck Bran. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to talk about him. So uh, let's talk a little bit about it. Now, I don't think this is going to be too lengthy because we only saw Beric, Beric D uh, and yeah. the rest of the dudes. Uh, I think the one thing I do want to mention and kind of talk about this episode is what does that – what do you think that symbol means? Because that's something that has been scattered everywhere all the way from the first episode to now we see the little umber boy um, kind of stuck on the wall. Lamba. So, what do you what do you feel about you know what's going on with Beric Dondarrion and uh, how they were actually kind of looking through little little is it called Little Hearth or Lace Hearth? Last Hearth. Last Hearth. Last Hearth. What do you think that uh, symbol means? Um. So we see that symbol in this episode. We see that symbol on uh, 
when they were beyond the wall in the, the I, remind me what that place is beyond the wall. Um, with, when they did oh, the fire with the horses. Uh, no, well, no, no. It was the hand of the first man. Thank you. That it, I saw that spiral symbol there as well as in the stone on Dragonstone, like the drawings of the children of the forest. Um, I, I feel like the Night King is trying to her- like hark back to this moment of when I was created, like you created me or you are the reason that you created, like that I've been created. Now I'm going to take you down. Like thinking about when children of the forest created the Night King in order to combat man and the expansion of man. And so now it's like, okay, because of you, I've been created. And now because of me, you will be destroyed. And I think they're trying to, he's, they are trying to like hark back to this moment of creation of, okay, I was created because of you. And now I will take you down. Cause like the AI sort of like a robot um, sort of, I meet my creator to, to, you know, ascend, you know, to be better. Rylan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Night King was essentially a weapon made to stop the First Men from invading the Children of the Forest uh, lands. Um, but uh, this scene is really cool, one, because it probably has the best line in the show uh, when uh, Dolores Ed and uh, Tormund meet up with one another, and Dolores yeah. just like, watch out, he's got blue eyes. <laughs> Tormund's just like, I have always had blue eyes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, the Wildlings and the Night's Watch are probably some of the best characters that we get very little time with, and but it's just fun to watch them interact and that they're these just hardcore badass survivors that will take on anything that comes their way just because they've seen it all. Um, but as far as the symbol and everything, um, it does kind of look like a hurricane to me. Uh, so I think the night, uh, the Night's King is actually like a weatherman from the past. It's just like, okay, <laughs> hurricane season's coming. We got battened down. You gonna draw? I thought it was interesting that, um, like the little Umber kid, uh, may he rest in peace. That I don't know if they set it up on purpose. Did the Night King actually set it up on pers- purpose where the whole thing will catch on fire, or is that just something that? to make it look fanciful once he actually burned up and actually see the fire spread. Because once the fire spreads, it kind of looks like the Targaryen dragon symbol, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. I just I think, think little kids are flammable in general. More so than we realize. <laughs> <laughs> All the uh, asbestos okay. in their blood. Mocha, continue. <laughs> what do you think the symbol means in about that, um, that uh, section of the episode? Yeah, I don't think... I haven't put too much thought into the symbol. I don't see it as anything more than just the Night King's crest, in a sense. Um, you know, crests are a big part of the uh, the story and the mythos throughout the kingdoms. And for him, it's a twisted one because it's his crest is the symbol of the spell that was used to bring him back in the first place by the by the children of the forest. Um, so I think more of, it's more of like a, almost like a morbid expression of himself in the world that they all live in, despite him being very much otherworldly and not belonging there at all. Blow it. Finish it off. Yeah, I, I, same thing. I, there's nothing to... But it was a good jump scare. Uh, well shot scene. Well, like, I loved any scene with Tormund in it. And so yep. that worked, but um, he's one of my favorite characters. Ironically enough, or not ironically, because that's not actually what ironically means, but uh, book and movie for different reasons. 
Like his book portrayal is phenomenal, and his uh, TV show portrayal is equally as good. You said movie. I was like, this is a Game of Thrones movie? I'm missing Yeah, that. I know. You know. Coming soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed that scene, especially how short that it was. I think the I'm glad that they didn't waste too much time and they really got to like the the big thing in that scene, the big reveal, the burn it down, and they really kind of cut away because it feels as though that's where this the show is going to be going in the season. Um, so I'm glad that the scene was short, sort of contained lots of shit impact for me very, very quickly and then going away. Um, I, I'm really down. I'm really glad they actually continued to do some things like that. Uh, I think they also did it. They did that a, a few different times, too. I think one of the times is also in the Citadel a few times. Um, so I thought that was actually pretty cool when Sam and I can't remember the actual Easter that Sam was sort of um, being a steward for, but there was like a lot of books and shit that was scattered around. So there's a lot of information being on the scene. Um, you mean, I, uh, I, Forrest Slughorn? Yeah, I was gonna say Professor. I was gonna say Professor Slughorn. I, see, this is why I like you, DJ. This is why I like you, bro. Um, yeah, it, as far as the symbol, uh, like the symbolism, would that mean? I'm not sure yet. I haven't necessarily obsessed over just yet. Um, I'm probably gonna come back to that a little bit later on. Um, I think it's gonna be something larger, but also something simplistic, much like a mocha. I think there's definitely a meaning for it because it's everywhere. I also need to make sure that I can need, need to plot back. Just to see, because the first episode, it shows up one of the first things that we see, all those scattered body pots all around. And so now that we start to see it in cer- certain areas, I'm curious if we can go back and see, you know, where are all the areas that we've seen it? Because we talked about we saw it in, you know, Beyond the Wall. We now saw it in Last Hearth. And so where else have that, where literally has that, um, you know, carving been placed and what's the symbolism um, or the importance of it. So I'll hold my uh, thoughts for that a little bit later. I, I, th- I think to go along with just it being just simply I'm the Night King. This is my sigil. Like I'm coming for you. Like it's just going to be tough to explain that all in five episodes. So I mean, just I think they've they already started. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think they've, I, I think CJ, I think they've already explained it. We just don't know the connections yet. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. We have all the information, and it's almost as if we're we have we already know what's going to happen. We're just waiting for the right moment. We're just waiting for our friend to show up in Winterfell before everything can kind of fall into place. Kind of like Bran, the yeah. last character we're going to talk about. So, <laughs> what do you guys? Uh, you don't like so so CJ? Why didn't? Why don't you like Bran? What's going on with this? So, so Bran, like, oh, he's just sitting around. Not doing anything, just being like, there's no time. The Night King has your dragon. Like, bro, chill out. We just met, we just met each other. Like, I don't know why you're like yelling at me, first of all. (laughs) And then, and then the rest of the episode, he's just sitting in the courtyard, just chilling, waiting for Jamie. I'm just like, you know, fuck you, dude. Like, do something useful with your life. (laughs) It'd be great. Like, next episode opens up and. Bran like sees Jamie and he's just standing there and then Bran just jumps up out of his wheelchair, runs up and punches him in the face. <laughs> that would be great. But in all but in all seriousness, um there's just so much going on with Bran, but also absolutely nothing. Because it's like, is he actually there? Is this him looking back on it on the time? Is this like uh, there's just so much to like parse out with him that I just don't I just can't fathom and comprehend his character right now in this point in time if he's I, really there. 
I've always liked Bran throughout the entire series. I think I still look at him as being one of my favorite, by far one of the most interesting, by far one of the most well-acted child actors, and now, I guess, an adult actor. Was Rickon your second favorite? Like, yeah, what? Bro. This is Rick a hot on. take right so, now. Turn left, turn right, and the other direction, then straight. Well, the, the reason why I like Brand was the fact that we actually seen, like, it was the first time that it was about the war, uh, warging. He was the first person that had, like, a connection. Like, that's that's why I like his character. And all the theories with the Brand, the Builder, the Brands that's in the actual history in the past, that's why I tend to like his character more. And this is not the first time. I've said that. That's definitely not a hot take. So fuck you, Mike. But the one thing I, I <laughs> yeah, do want to actually kind of, uh, yeah, sorry. Fuck you, Malka. So <laughs> the thing that I was really keen on was all of his lines. And I went back and started rewatching. I'm probably going to rewatch it again. And the line that stood out for me was when we finally get John and Brand's sort of reunion. John comes up, uh, hug, uh, runs up to him, hugs him, and kisses him on the forehead. And the last time that John and Bran has been in the same freaking area was episode two, season one, yeah. right? And Bran was in a coma when John had to leave, and the last thing that John did was kiss him on the forehead as a brother, right? And so I love both of those dudes, just amazing in that particular kind of scene. And the thing that stood out to me was John said, oh, Bran, like, look at you. You're a man now. And Bran looks at him in his deadpan face and said, not yet. And that is what really, yeah, that was really got me. I was like, what does he mean? Because is he going to either A, pass the power on, B, is he going to turn? Like, that was, I was kind of curious. And literally everything that Bran does about for it. So, um, especially because he kind of fucked up order and everything. So that's why I I, I like him. Fan theory. I'm all about it. I'll let your boy. I got a fan theory that, um, Jamie to kind of like his final act of redemption just tells Bran to say, Hey, take my body. Mm. And that's interesting. Bran would be Jamie again, but I don't think that'll happen because there is this whole three eyed Raven thing. And, um, don't get me started on the three eyed Raven. I don't think we'll fully ever understand what is the purpose of the three eyed Raven, or maybe that's the ultimate, like thing that the Night King is fighting against, um, which is some people's theories, but they never really clearly define and explain exactly what is the three-eyed raven aside from this individual that has this <laughs> omnipotence of being able to see what's going on in the world just because of the connection of nature and everything. I have a feeling that part of being the three-eyed raven is he had to take on he actually has to carry the, the previous Sea-Eyed Ravens in his body, so I think that person is not dead. They're actually living inside of Bran. There's like a mutual cohabitation happening right now, just because Bran wouldn't know everything without that person's help. Uh, but I, I feel that they kind of left the audience in the dark about the Three-Eyed Raven, and we still just don't understand what is it, what is his role going to play? And so they got to kind of fill time with him staring at people all the time. And hopefully there's a big payoff to it because it's going to be very subtle to subtle notes. I think coming from brand that we need like some type of crazy ass, whether it's super high fantasy event happened from him or something very significant beyond just 
being the one that knows that John is a Targaryen. Well, so uh, a couple things. Um, first of all, uh, I think like we were talking about with John, um, where the, once the audience knows, because these characters don't have cell phones and don't live on the same block uh, as each other, um, there's no easy way of communicating. So you can't necessarily go around. It's tough to see the same thing of the same characters figuring out like the same information. Um, so I think once the audience gets the reveal on the payoff of Bran and like what he really means is that's it. Like you you just end it. I think that's probably going to be the last episode is he's going to do something cool. Some baller crap happens and then the show ends and the, the it all, you know, that's what you're talking about the next day. Um, the, the other thing is that I thought that three eyed Raven was pretty well defined. He's so let's go to the other big fantasy. I, I thought he was like the wizards in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings where it seems like there's these overall god like gods, right? You know, the new gods, the old gods, the god of uh of light and then Seven. yeah, it's and it seems like because his big thing was that, you know, you uh communicate through the the trees, right? The were trees, right? I think that's the name of them. Yeah, um, werewood trees. Yeah, the werewood. And so, you know, how like certain areas got a little bit cloudy and obscured because their werewolf uh werewolf uh their were trees had got cut down. Um and so to me, it just seems like this intermediary level of like there's the overall gods and then they have like their representatives on on the planet on uh, I almost said Middle Earth, Westeros and Essos and all that fun <laughs> stuff. Um, and then you have the, the common people below that. Uh, so he's just an intermediary, like a medium to the to the gods because he's definitely yeah. linked to the old gods. The old gods have the name. Which, by the way, we don't know who the hell's right. You know, this is, they've somewhat, they've somewhat alluded to there is an actual, like, someone's right in the show, but they've yeah. gotten significant evidence for every single religion to be, like, somewhat, except well, for the new gods. The so new gods don't really get a, a ton, but. I think they're they're taking an approach, the, like, the same, a similar approach to what, like, the ancient Greeks and Romans had, which was, uh, everyone's gods exist. And your God was strong if you didn't lose wars. Uh, and I think that's the kind of approach they're taking is that everyone's gods exist. We've seen proof. Uh, we've seen magic that can be linked to, to the worship of Rhealor. We've seen magic that can be linked to the old gods through the, uh, through brands communication through the werewood trees. And we don't know really much about the seven, but that being said, or in terms of their actual like representations of acts, um, in the real world, but still. Like we've seen things that could potentially be linked, uh, unless these are all coincidences or things like uh, magic is exists in the world, but is actually a science, not something a gift from 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 the divine. I don't think they're going to get that deep into it, but I do think that um, most of the, that the the approach is that all of the gods exist. It's just a matter of who's the strongest at the moment. It'll be very interesting to see if I don't know if this is going to happen, but if Bran and Melisandre meet up. Because, like, I, I feel like they'll have a lot to talk about and, like, see how much the, like, old gods can communicate with R'hllor and, you know, is there this great other that then, like, R'hllor and the old gods need to fight together to be able to defeat. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation because we know Melisandre's going to come back. We just don't know how or when she's going to. Where is Melisandre? She's uh, in Atlantis, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, she went to Atlantis. 
Why did she go there? I can't. Because uh, she was banished by John. Yeah, and she told Seth Varys before she left that like she's gonna die in Westeros just like he is. Where did she go to a, a shy? No, she she went to Volantis. Okay. No, she didn't go to a shy. Alright guys, I think uh, we're good. I'll leave it off to like some lasting thoughts, a couple of tidbits that we may have not necessarily mentioned. You know, we didn't talk about um, Theon and the Greyjoys and the things like that. I know we didn't talk about everything, but uh, I do kind of want to leave it off of, you know, what makes you get sort of excited, you know, sort of the lasting question for this season, episode two that airs on Sunday. Uh, I'll start with uh, Oka. Shit's about to pop off. Uh, I think as of episode two, it's going to get wild. It's going to get crazy. And I'm so glad that they got through all of the checklist. Uh, make sure so-and-so meets so-and-so. Make sure so-and-so learns about this. Now, get it all out of the way. And let's just get some brutal, horrific zombie on fleshy man fights uh, for the rest of the season. Or at least for the next two episodes. Mm, blew it. Yeah, I think it's going to get wild. It was to me. This was a very good just recap. This is what we're going to talk about this season. Let's get into it. Brother. Uh Yeah, I, I thought this was a really good like setup episode for this season. I didn't uh, love it. I think they had an op- I think one thing I wanted to see is show us a moment of the Knights King and his army. Just how how uh, omnipotent they can be with their power. So I think either Last Hearth or even the Dreadfort, just seeing them marching toward uh, towards uh, uh, Winterfell, just show like one of those major castles just literally leveled to the ground and set on fire and just utterly destroyed just to show how ruthless and how unstoppable they are just to ramp up the tension a bit the symbol really neat but i don't think it actually either unless they're going to do something with that symbol if it's a key to beating the night king um doesn't really have the same payoff as the oncoming doom as just seeing it in action if it's a symbol to beat the night king why would he be just uh, i'll be really upset like, if they use hey, this, like, is my, this is key to my heart <laughs> hey, this, this is how he killed me. <laughs> but don't read into it. Uh, last but not least, CJ. Um, I think what I'm very I'm interested in for next week is just seeing how Jamie can just seeing how he fits into this puzzle of all these characters that are now in Winterfell and how he kind of passes the test of okay, he's cool. Like, what, who does he need to like connect with? Who does he need to talk to to try and like? fit into this world up in Winterfell to, you know, fight for the living as much as he's like said he's wanted to do that. Um, so I'm very excited to see how Jamie fits in next week um, in this episode. I yeah, wonder if Bran's going to come up that for him. Like, I wonder if Bran's going to be that person to be like, you can't kill him. We need him. Yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Is. Yeah, Bran's I wouldn't attached. be surprised. Possibly, he's not I mean, really like, Bran anymore. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, everybody's thinking right. of Bran like, oh, something's going to happen because, you know, Jamie pushed Bran out the window. But, I mean, if we go back to things we didn't even see in the show, which is Jamie killed um, Aerys Targaryen. Yeah. <laughs> so, when I, he confronts Daenerys, that's going to be an interesting yeah. conversation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jamie killed a bunch of fucking people. I think, literally, if we look at almost everybody that's there, Jamie killed just about almost everybody's best friend or father. 
this uh this conversation so we'll we'll uh, in winterfell so that's going to be kind of funny and with that thanks everybody thank you brylan i appreciate your time oh thank you i appreciate it too thanks fluid i appreciate your time i don't mind it uh thanks mocha i appreciate your face oh wow okay wow oh wow appreciate that Fuck you. Uh, CJ, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for uh, joining us. Where can people find more of your work on the internet, CJ? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and you can definitely follow me on Twitter at I am Cuthbert, one C-U-T-H-B-E-R-T. If you want to check out some more takes on Game of Thrones, I'll be posting some more soon. Nice. Check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at underscore DAFP, Facebook.com slash down in front podcast if you like what we do you want to support us patreon.com slash down in front podcast this is going to be exciting stay tuned for more of our work we probably will be back next week question mark so stay tuned for that and uh, we'll see what we got so long pharrell and uh, i'm gonna get drunk real soon bye children are flammable and i can prove it <laughs> next time Jesus. fuck brand <laughs> plus their children are-